0: hello everybody and welcome to another tale podcast today i am joined by Dune the fox a uh, fur tube content creator and um pretty well known in the fandom uh you i know you do some dance competitions at a lot of cons and uh
1: all around great fellow well thank you thank you sir it's good to be here i'm pretty new to the podcast thing but yeah <laughs> yep um
0: he and i did one podcast uh uh, we were guests on somebody else's a while back. That's still not posted anywhere yet, unfortunately, but we're going to do one of
1: our own. It's going to be an exciting time. We're going to talk about a bunch of furry fun and hang out with the internet furries. It's going to be fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's always a great time here on another tale. All right, so first things first. Do you want to uh, kind of explain who you are and uh, what you do to those of you that might not
1: know? Yeah, for sure. So I go by Dune the Fox on the Interweebles. It's super exciting. Um, I've been doing YouTube for about five years now. Um, I enjoy fursuiting and acting crazy on the internet. And slowly but surely, there were a few people that enjoyed my shenanigans too, so that was exciting. (laughs) Um, But more recently, I discovered that I really liked uh, dance and being active and doing that kind of artsy stuff. So um, I've done a few dance competitions now over the past few years, primarily with MCFC. And really, aside from that, I just really enjoy the art and the togetherness and the, you know, friendship and light that the community brings to our fellow normie citizens. <laughs> oh, boy, the
0: normies. A lot of them love us. Some of them hate us. Um, so what's probably like your favorite thing? Do you prefer doing like your YouTube thing or do you like uh, the dance competitions more? What, which do you prefer?
1: Well, in general, um, I prefer uh, video editing, as it were. (laughs) Um, So shooting videos and creating ideas and um, being able to collab with people is all very, very fun. But I've discovered that the actual editing process in and of itself is quite therapeutic for me. (laughs) Um, It's a chance to kind of sit down with raw footage and then sculpt it into something a little more fun and, you know... When you're live you can say um every five seconds and people will hear it but with editing you can take all that out and you're like oh i sound a lot better now (laughs) i'm just kidding um (laughs) but no editing is so therapeutic i love being able to create like effects and um it's even more fun when i can do it you know with friends and that sort of thing so um the dance side of it is fun in the sense of being able to get on stage and you know for somewhere in the neighborhood of two to five minutes i can make people giggle and laugh and have a good time Um, but the editing part is a good break from my normal routine and it's a chance to be artistic which is always a great time
0: that's good i think you are the first person that i've ever heard say they enjoy editing (laughs) most people are like i have to edit this video
1: it's gonna take 80 hours (laughs) yeah that is honestly it that is really surprising (laughs) to me to be honest because i well, I haven't met too many other people who are also creators in that fashion, um, that is the number one thing that I hear about the start-to-finish process when you are a solo creator without help. So everybody is like, oh my god, editing, this is going to take so long, it's such a pita. And I'm like, okay, but this is great. <laughs> it's like so therapeutic and relaxing for me. I don't know why. I mean, it's, it's very detail-oriented and tedious, but it's just one of those things, you know?
0: Right. So what software do you use? Are you one of the just like Adobe Premiere?
1: That's the standard across everything? Or what? what's no, your go to? I- I honestly um, and I will talk about this more in a future video on my channel because I'm actually um, Although it's been on a small hiatus (laughs) I'm actually working on a series on my channel where I talk about um, Everything I've learned in five years as a furry youtuber so that somebody who's interested in starting their own channel or live streaming games or whatever that might look like um, You know, there's some knowledge there that they can refer to to help them get started. So um, for me the I just lost my train of thought. That's a great time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the software that I use is called VideoPad, and it's part of a suite. Um, it's out of a company in Australia actually, but they've offered their products online, and they have a whole suite. So they have you know VideoPad for video editing, WavePad for audio editing, PhotoPad for photo editing. Uh, Mixpad, if you're trying to actually mix like music or something of that nature. Um, So they have a lot of different products within their suite. But for the most part, I use Videopad um, for YouTube. I don't really use any of the other products all that much. Um, But I started on it five years ago. So I really like it because it's fairly intuitive, in my opinion. You get a lot of buttons, but after a while, it makes sense. Um, What I will say, though, the one downfall that I've experienced with the software is it does not upgrade for free so if you do want to get the later versions of the software um you have to pay for that which is kind of a drawback i think there are other um producers that make software where you get the free upgrades like for example fl studio when you buy it you have it for life and then you just get the upgrades you know um but i just i don't know it's 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 pretty easy for me to use, and it's something that I really enjoy. So um, I would totally recommend it to anybody who's trying to get started or wants to try something different. Okay. All right. Great.
0: Great definite tip to those people that might be listening. Yeah, for Uh, sure. So are you one of the um, many 90s kids that got into the furry community because Robin Hood, Disney, whatever, Nintendo, (laughs) all of those anthropomorphic young teenage hormone bait things
1: oh yeah the the 90s was full of that just up and down completely (laughs) um so my first foray into anthropomorphism was probably sonic the hedgehog um so i really really loved tails as a character because he's like oh yeah i'm like barely eight years old And I have an IQ of 300 and I have all these fancy gadgets and, you know, I I can fly because I have two tails. So just as a kid, that was, like, super inspiring, right? Because he's this, you know, not super strong, not bulky, not really tall or anything kind of little kid, right? But he had all these other skills that made him, like, basically a badass. (laughs) So um, that was really inspiring for me. And that definitely heavily influenced uh, Dune as a character. But really, aside from that... um, I can't necessarily name any cartoons in particular right now, but for sure some of those Disney movies that you mentioned um, had a part in that. And then definitely um, Sonic the Hedgehog for sure. That was probably one of the biggest ones.
0: Okay. Um, and I know you have a fursuit. I think this is your second one, right? Version 2 of yep, dude. he's
1: on 2.0.
0: Yep. Uh, what made you decide to get a fursuit? Have you always wanted one? Like... The first time you saw one, was it like, ooh, must have? Or was it kind of a gradual, okay, I think I want one now?
1: It's a bit of an interesting story. So I've actually had Dune as a character since, um, gosh, I'm not sure I even remember what year. I would probably say 2004, 2005, somewhere in there. Um, and... You know, be, I was 12, I think, at the time. So at the time, I was like, oh, it'd be really cool to be this character. It, and how would I make that happen, you know? So, but life got busy. I went to high school. I was working after high school. So I it kind of hit a back burner for a while. So I happened to be hanging out in this hookah lounge in East Lansing <laughs> with an old friend of mine. And it just so happened that day that there were um, a couple of furries that walked in. And one of them was wearing a fursuit head and a tail. And I hadn't seen that in person, I think, before in my life ever. So for me, it was like, oh, my God, I completely forgot about the furry community. And this is great because now I remember them. And, yes, I want one of those costumes. That would be so fantastic to have. (laughs) So um, for me, it was definitely something i was interested in as a kid but then when i got older and i ran into those people um you know i remembered that that dream was still there to basically you know become something different and try to create some positivity out of it okay so
0: you kind of wanted one forgot about it a little bit somebody reminded you of it that would be it
1: in a nutshell i think yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) did you ever figure out who that person was that wore it in the hookah lounge
1: yeah um so i don't remember their names but i know that they're on telegram and facebook and other social media we we talked for a long time after we kind of fallen out of touch now but um they're i think pretty i think they're fairly known in the lansing for a community if you guys are out that way
0: okay all
1: right i know that's
0: one thing like i always try
1: and do like
0: one of my buddies just yesterday told me that, like, oh, hey, I saw a furry walking down in Meyer the other day, and I'm like, oh, really? I wonder if I know that person. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, So, what was it that made you want the fursuit, though? Like, was it, did you just want to, you know, put a mask on, act however you wanted to act, or was it, like, you wanted to entertain kids? I know a lot of people love playing with the
1: kids and making them laugh and smile. Oh, definitely, Yeah. Um, I it, it's kind of hard to say that there was one thing in particular that made me want to get a fursuit I think the biggest thing was um, that well I can point to a few examples so I shortly before I got my first suit, which was in 2015 in March um, I had been watching some for youtubers and so an example was differently um, Majira Strawberry people like that right um I can't remember the other channel that I was watching oh well so but the point is is that I was seeing people in fursuit create these amazing videos and differently was one channel that I watched that actually also did dance competitions so that was my kind of first peek into that side of conventions as well and basically it just kind of lit me up it just lit me on fire I was like oh my god this is so awesome I want to do that too Um, but it was, it went, it went beyond, you know, the, the escape of it, I guess it was, it was much more for me about being able to entertain and have a platform to be a positive presence for people. Um, because I remember when I was younger watching YouTube and I was like, oh, life is rough. This sucks. What am I doing? (laughs) And then there were certain people I would watch that would really just make my day and make me feel better. And, you know, I kind of wanted to give that back in some way.
0: So when you got your first suit, did you have full intention of starting a YouTube channel or did that kind of come after you got the suit?
1: Yeah, so I started I actually started the YouTube channel before I got my suit. Um I probably had been doing videos for about a year before I got my first suit. And the idea at that time was Um, to get more familiar with editing and, you know, setting up a camera and lighting and all that fun stuff and getting some practice with um, doing videos and discovering what I I might like to post or create that sort of thing. Um, So the suit came after and I I knew even before I started making videos that I, I wanted to have that for my channel because, you know, it's something different on the Internet and it's something that is potentially fun for people to enjoy. So the videos came first, but um, the suit had definitely been a goal for a long time.
0: Okay. All right, so onto your uh, YouTube channel, your videos, how what's the process of that like? Do you write up a script and then edit it and then rate it over or are you kind of like off the cuff,
1: just put the camera in front of you and do whatever you're gonna do? That is an excellent question. Um I like to do a little bit of everything and I don't. Avoid any there aren't there isn't any kind of video that I I would avoid making necessarily because I really like the challenge of trying new things Um So I've done a couple music videos. I've done um, Green screen videos like skits that sort of thing. Um, I've made videos where I've had to script I've done You know random Whatever where I just sit there and see what happens <laughs> um, I've done convention videos. I've done dance videos. So I like it all. I really like the variety of being able to do you know, anything that a sane or insane mind can come up with. (laughs) Um, So for me, the process starts with um, a never-ending to-do list, (laughs) where I just kind of write out the ideas I think I would like to make or... I think of something funny just sitting at the dinner table or somebody said something and it inspires an idea for a skit. Whatever that looks like, um, I have a to-do list of ideas that have not been made yet or, you know, they're in the process of being worked on. So if I'm making like a, a challenge video or... Like a review video where I like try food or like a charcoal mask or whatever that might look like. I don't generally script those Um, I might have some bullet points in a document somewhere just in case I You know lose my train of thought in the middle of shooting, but those are generally off-the-cuff um improv if you will kind of videos but for my skits or my music videos those tend to be scripted just because I know kind of what I want the end result to look like and then you know if there are any you know bloopers or anything else that I feel like will stick really well then I roll with that and that's you know that's fun too. Okay um
0: what about like the choreography for I guess both the dance competitions and your videos on YouTube do you do the choreography yourself or do you have somebody help with that?
1: Well, um, I don't really do choreo. (laughs) I just freestyle everything. Um, the biggest draw for me for dancing is honestly just to get up and move around and be active, because I have a desk job. And being hunched over a computer all day really sucks. (laughs) But, um, yeah, the times that I have done choreo, because I have done it a few times, I generally refer to, um, YouTube tutorials. Or one of my favorite things to do is I'll just sit there with a music file and listen to it over and over again and try to visualize what I want some of the dance moves to look like. And then once I have that idea, um, I can, you know, just practice it in front of a camera, watch a few takes and pick and choose what I like and what I don't like and slowly build it from there. Um, it, It really just boils down to how much time I have before I actually plan on shooting the video. So that has an impact on it, too
0: okay uh how many dance competitions have you done so far i know you said it was mostly mcfc was has it been the past couple of years two or three
1: yeah so i started dance competitions in oh dear what was the first one um mcfc 2017 was the first one and then i did 2018 and then i just did 2019 so i've been in a few but with that in mind i actually also participate in an online dance competition called Kerfluffle, and they have a telegram group um if anybody is you know a novice veteran or just interested in dance altogether um i would say that Kerfluffle has probably been one of the most positive experiences that i've had as a fairly newish furry dancer um they're very supportive you get you know, really awesome feedback from the judges. I I could go on. Um, but that is what I do a few times a year in addition to my dance competitions and then any videos that I post.
0: Okay. All right. Um, I think that's about all I can think of as far as con or not cons, but dance competitions and your YouTube videos go unless there's anything you want to add to those topics.
1: Um, I don't think so. That That pretty much captures the fun of it.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh what else do you do besides the YouTube thing? Do you have any other like big hobbies, anything you're into?
1: Yeah, so um I really also enjoy writing music and that generally gets posted on SoundCloud. Um the videos take a priority just because that is the more enjoyable hobby for me at the moment but when i do have anything remotely in the realm of free time (laughs) um i also like to dive in and write music a little bit so uh it mostly kind of centers around edm or remixes of like video game music or just a song that i happen to like but um that has also been really fun for me because i've been involved with music for a long time
0: Okay, wow, well, I I didn't know that. Um, If you want, feel free to send me the link after this, and I can plug it in the uh, show notes. Yeah, for sure. How did you get into music creation? And uh, do you use that um, mixer suite that you were talking about earlier that came
1: with your video editing suite? Gotcha. So um, I was in band in school for, like, eight years. I played trombone, and... It, in the midst of that and well after, um, I, I took up keyboard. I never really studied piano like professionally, but um, it was fun when I was trying to think of music to write or ideas to come up with. I would you know, just kind of noodle around to the piano and that was pretty fun. Um, and I know a little bit of guitar. So that would have, I would have started band in, uh, I'm really aging myself here, that's exciting. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, gosh when would that have been so uh 2003 i think is when i started with music 2002 maybe but anyway um and then i really haven't played trombone since but i have been writing music semi-actively since 2010 so ever since playing trombone it was just you know um i would see all these pieces of music that various composers wrote or fellow students wrote or people wrote online once the internet really became a thing <laughs> um and that was super inspiring too that was something that i definitely wanted to try to take up and learn and see what happened okay
0: all right good good to know that's that's definitely not something i knew about you
1: the the many things of doing the fox <laughs> i just try to do everything i'm here to live my best life <laughs> jack of all trades Hopefully one day. (laughs) Um,
0: So I guess we can talk cons. Uh, MCFC moved their hotel this year to the West and Southfield in Detroit. How did you feel
1: about that change? They did move. um, I think they were in the previous hotel for five or six years, right? I might have that wrong, but I'm not totally sure. I don't know the exact date, but yeah, I know it's been quite a few years. Yeah. So um, incidentally, MCFC uh, 15, I think was my very first convention ever of any kind so um it that's kind of my home con i come there and it's like you know, oh my god it's my con anniversary this is so exciting to see everybody you know that kind of thing yeah um so it was an interesting experience to be at a new hotel for that particular convention this year so um i think that the hotel technically is bigger than the older space and i think that um there were a lot of things that were done really well um i saw that there were a few people in theme this year more than previous years which i really appreciated i know that um from some of the attendees there's not necessarily always like a huge presence of participation in the theme um but there was a good bit of that this year which i personally enjoyed because i basically love harry potter a lot (laughs) um And I will say for being in a new space, working with a new hotel staff, um, I thought our con staff did an excellent job staying on top of things, staying in communication and making sure that despite hiccups, things were well organized. So um, as an example, the dance competition was delayed and I don't remember why. Um, but regardless it was delayed a little bit and you know the staff was right there and they were like, all right, here's what's gonna happen we're gonna start at this time go ahead and try out the floor um that sort of thing so I, I there was a good bit of that this year with a new space which I think is super critical to making sure a convention is successful and I appreciated that just from an attendee perspective you know um but overall I thought the hotel was really nice I thought the staff did a great job. And I am interested to see what the future of the convention at that space will be.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, everything runs on con time at cons. It seems like everything is always a little bit late. I, I wasn't at the dance competition. I, the line was like super long and I'm just like, yeah, oh, yeah, I got other <laughs> things I can do. Right. But it, it seems like there's always something that's holding a panel up or some the person before runs a little late and the next one has to cut it short. Right, absolutely. Uh, the hotel, it might be bigger on paper, like the actual square footage of it, but it seems so much smaller. Like the lobby area just
1: looks tiny. Yeah, and, and I definitely had that feeling too. I think a lot of that is just attributable to the layout of the hotel. Yeah. Because there was ba- it's basically like a huge hallway. <laughs> yep, it's a long, narrow hallway. Yeah, so definitely for something like a parade, it's probably an ideal space, but for you know, suiting and loitering and taking pictures and shooting video and that sort of thing. Um, It's hard to do that in a large group so the older hotel had a lot of like seating and windows and um it just felt more spacious in that respect whereas this there wasn't necessarily like as much seating um and space for people to kind of stand around and chit chat or whatever
0: yeah the seating like you said was very limited uh the old hotel had that nice outdoor courtyard which i know that was a pretty popular gathering space for a lot of people right um not that this hotel was bad, though. Like, the fountain in the lobby, I know a lot of people loved that. I saw plenty of people playing on the uh, pianos that they had sitting out. Right. So, that that was a nice touch. What Were you a sponsor? Did you head into
1: the sponsor's lounge at all? No, I didn't have a chance to check that out this year. Um, I was attendee this year.
0: Okay. Uh, I was sponsor this year, at, as I have been at, I think, every MCFC. But the sponsor's lounge was a bit uh, lackluster compared to last year, and I think that's just because of the layout of the room. I don't know if you ever saw the old one, but it had the nice big round tables. I mean, you could only sit like eight people at them, but it was like a nice chill spot where you could go eat, drink, have a good time. The new one just had like those big, long, white folding tables and a whole bunch of chairs. And it kind of felt like a get in, get your stuff, and get out type of thing. Well, that's not good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The con also, I I can appreciate this to an extent, is they had the AC cranked way up for the uh, suitors, which was really
1: nice. Yeah, I never felt like I was overheating or unable to move around or stuffy or anything in the in the hotel it was nice and chill
0: um the atrium too i know a lot of people wanted access to that but
1: it's owned by a different building i guess so we couldn't couldn't do that Yeah, we actually speedy and I had a pretty interesting experience with that. Uh, We were, we're, we're fairly close to the convention. We're not that far. So um, we decided the Tuesday before the con to actually just go check out the hotel, um, partly because we had a couple of groups um, that were looking to figure out kind of what the availability of certain spaces would be for group photos. So uh, for example, Um, my, the guy who made my suit is, uh, Stormfire Studios costumes and, um, he, he likes to do a group photo at any con that any of his suits are at. So, um, being that this was a new hotel and we were close, that was something that we wanted to check out and see kind of what the opportunity would be, um, for a group photo. So we went and looked and, um... There was a couple of spaces that we looked at. So in the hallway, kind of close to the front desk, there was that wall where there were just like the plants that were inset into the wall. That looked like a cool spot. Um, there was the chairs with the footstools or something. The chairs were kind of sitting up high on a platform. Yeah,
0: the, the shoes straining.
1: Yeah, stage. that's what it was. I think that's what it was. I think that's what it was, too. Um, So that looked like a cool opportunity for a small group, not necessarily a large group, but a small one. And then um, the atrium we walked into and we were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. It's like a whole, they've got walkways, it's a garden, it's a beautiful nature shot, blah, blah, blah. So we went over there and we were were taking pictures as we were going around because it was a new space and got stopped by security. And they were like, you can't take pictures here. And then under her breath, she was like, I didn't see you do anything. (laughs) <laughs> i was like <laughs> oh my god so which one is it yeah <laughs> well anyway so it, she was trying to be cool about it and i yep. appreciated that a lot actually but i understood what she was saying too so um we got excited and we were we told the group we were like oh my god this is gonna be a great spot for a group photo and then there was this whole hiccup of you know the the other company or the other building owning it so we went to the front desk of the Weston and we asked them we were like so here's the deal you have like probably a thousand sh- people who like mascots or you know some of them dress up as mascots that kind of thing <laughs> you know coming for this convention and potentially they're going to want photos so what's the deal with the atrium and we were told at that time by that particular representative that because we had so many banquet rooms or one at all i don't remember what the actual stipulation was but the point is we had a banquet room so because of that um we were supposed to be allowed to access that area and or take pictures and video so we thought we were set but then we got to the hotel and that was a different story so you win some you lose some yeah <laughs> yeah yep. yeah and I, I don't mean to hate on the con at all
0: it was definitely a great con and i really look forward to attending
1: future conventions there yeah same here it's it's definitely you know the fun part is it's it's people that most of us in the state talk to every day or you know once a week or whatever and um, so being able to see everybody that locally we're kind of involved with in some way is, is always a great, awesome opportunity.
0: Right, right. It's the uh, home state convention, so to speak. So kind of exactly. obligated to go to it. it. It was nice that it was on a separate date as uh, FWA this year. Yeah,
1: that was actually something I appreciated as well. FWA is in May now, right? Um. Yeah, I think it hasn't happened yet. I think it's coming up still. Okay. Yeah, I want to say that it was in may if i remember correctly but anyway i know that there were a lot of people that were happy about those dates being separated too so um that should make it easier for you know us to hit both events if we want to yeah yeah
0: definitely i mean i don't know how many of us will just because it's a lot of money to go to a
1: convention it is it is the fwa is actually something i've been wanting to try out for a long time because i had a chance to visit uh, Atlanta last year in July, and I actually got to see the hotel. I think they've moved since then, if I remember correctly. But at the very, at the very least, I saw the Marriott they were in in previous years, and it's a beautiful hotel. So I would definitely like to check that out in the future. Right. Yeah. There's so many cons on my like wish list,
0: but. Uh... <laughs> what cons are you doing this year? Um, the only one that is for sure is MFF. Uh, I want to maybe do like a day trip to ifc okay what about you what, what have you got planned
1: ifc is a good con um so we typically do three cons a year um when i started like i said i started doing conventions in 2015 so at the time we were doing mcfc uh great lakes for a con glfc when that was a thing and then mff um, so then, when GLFC ended, uh, we took up IFC in August instead, and that was that worked pretty well for a while because we were doing a con every four months, so it was kind of you know not that far away to the next vacation, so to speak, <laughs> um, as we were working and adulting and generally being yeah. humans. <laughs> you humans. Um, oh yeah, it's fun. What well, we pay to be animals, right? Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, but this year, I actually am very excited to try out a new convention, Anthro, Ohio, which I've never been to, um, but that will be at the end of this month. It's the last weekend, I believe. And after that, I will probably still plan on doing IFC and MFF. Um, I, uh, I just had a job interview today, actually, for a different position within my company. So we'll see how my schedule plays out for cons following that. <laughs> and... Um, speedy is going to be starting a new job here pretty soon too so we haven't planned anything super concretely yet um but those are the cons that we would like to visit this year we've already done up okay yep so
0: uh what is your attraction to conventions is it going to see the panels going to see the people
1: or do you just like suiting up at them there are so many different things that i i love about the conventions and the community in general so probably one of my favorite things is um all of the charity work that our community does in our conventions for you know various organizations um but the personal drive for me beyond what we give back to the community is being able to kind of you know break away from reality for a little bit (laughs) and you know just become this animal person and act silly and not have to be human for a while um but i also really 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 love being able to walk around with a camera and just watch this cross section of what i feel is such an amazing community you know in their element and that usually revolves around panels and so many different people in suits or cosplay or both and being able to capture that you know on on film and then have that memory forever you know so it's it's really cool to be able to see something so artistic and positive um you know come around every so often whether it's in your neighborhood or across the state or overseas (laughs) and um to be able to be part of something so positive has just been really inspiring and awesome for me That.
0: It would help if I unmute my microphone. <laughs>
1: I was like, are you there? <laughs>
0: I got scared. Yeah, uh, I was like, am I alone on this podcast? Yeah. Oh my God. No, I was typing away on my computer <laughs> and I didn't want uh, the microphone to pick it up and have it in the podcast because nobody wants to hear the clickety clackety.
1: I have to say that is so polite and responsible of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I try my best. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like
0: that's a lot of the reason people go to conventions, you know, not just for one thing or the other, but kind of for everything, you know, it's, it's a big community experience. And I know, unfortunately, I feel like, um, the dealers, a lot of them it's become more of a job for them or I don't, I know some of them like aren't necessarily furry
1: specifically. They're just like, Hey, I can go to this thing and make a whole lot of money at it. Yeah, and um interestingly, we actually just tried out um a small Anime convention on the street from the West End actually for MCFC and I interestingly I saw a lot of the same dealers there that I did at MCFC. So the there are so there are some makers that um branch out probably for the business side of it. That's probably their their job, their revenue, their full-time job, you know, is they go to cons and sell products. So
0: But it goes beyond the furry community too, which is really really cool. Yep, definitely. Um, So at at these conventions, do you do you go to a lot of the room parties? I know room parties can be a big attraction for some people, or are you more of the wander around the floor space and do your own thing?
1: Well, I've done everything at a con—from go to a crazy room party to lay in bed in my hotel room for three hours because i'm dead from wearing a walking carpet for hours (laughs) at a time (laughs) um so generally what i prefer to do is i have probably a, a small group of people that i really like to hang out with and see at conventions and some of them do parties and some don't and aside from that maybe i'll wander around and just film or i'll suit um one thing that i really enjoy doing is just interacting with um know people who who do know me online but haven't necessarily met me or they've met me before but you know they they follow me on social media or whatever so um i i usually like to post like once during a convention i'll say hey i'll be sitting in the lobby you know come say hi and um there are tons of people that um have really just kind of blown my mind like you know how you can have a really positive impact as a fursuiter or a content creator on youtube or whatever your your niche happens to be um but people continuously blow my mind when you know they they run into me at a con and they're like oh my god i know your videos and all that or like you know you're you're fun and thanks for being part of my life and all this fun stuff and it just continuously blows me away because i'm just like you know i i literally just word vomit on camera and edit and then it looks psycho to me but i post it anyway at somebody's (laughs) suggestion (laughs) <laughs> but you know, there there are people who enjoy it and it, it it definitely makes it really rewarding to be able to kind of uh meet those people in person at conventions when, you know, you can there's only so much interaction that happens online. So it's, that part has also been really cool at conventions for me. Um I've been to a few panels as well. Um generally if there's a YouTube first panel or something similar at a convention, I'll try to, you know, stop in and say hi and network and that sort of thing. Um I one time went to a voice acting panel at MFF 2015. Um, That was really, really cool. That was very enlightening. Um, But aside from that, I don't do a whole lot of different panels, I would say. Uh, Mostly the attraction for me is hanging out with people, bopping around in suit, acting silly, filming, meeting and hugging everybody I can, that sort of thing.
0: Right. Um... So are there any, I know we talked about it before the podcast, but are there any like tips or tricks that you can think of to kind of promote your, like if somebody has their own channel or a podcast or social network, is there any way to expand that or just let yeah. people
1: know? Absolutely. Uh, that's a really good question too. So what I have found successful is, um, you know the more obviously the more time you put into social media the the faster so to speak um you can network or bring in an audience or whatever you want that to look like but the more time you put into it the the sooner you can potentially see the outcome that you're looking for um but in terms of things that don't require a whole lot of maintenance necessarily um i am a fan of you know being really active in certain chat groups so telegram is a great place for that um and especially when you meet new people you know engaging in conversation and saying hey what do you like and blah 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 and you're obviously not going into it with the goal of you know i don't know you i have a twitch you should join (laughs) necessarily that kind of thing um but just allowing yourself to like build friendships and let those conversations flow the way they're supposed to um has it always opens interesting doors and even if they're not your next subscriber or your next follower or you know whatever um you know they they can definitely you know they can definitely introduce you to other people and say like hey i met this guy he's really cool and funny and um, this is what he does and then you'll meet those people and then you'll meet their friends and then you'll meet their friends and that sort of thing so conventions and chat groups are really good for that aside from that um the more active you are on social media you know the more chance you have of somebody seeing what you do so a lot of it is networking a lot of it is advertising um but i always recommend those things with a with a caution sign (laughs) because um you don't if your goal is to make money and build an audience you know that's fine you can own that and be part of that and you know, don't, don't shy away from that. Don't pretend that's not what you're doing. Cause I, I've seen that in the community too, where people are like, oh, you know, I'm just trying to do this thing. And, you know, they're really in it for the big number. And, you know, maybe they threw some friends away because of it, that sort of thing. Who knows? Yeah, but Yeah, they, they want the popularity <laughs> they want. Right. And if you want that, there's nothing wrong with that. Just be honest about it. <laughs> you know, it, just say, yes, I want popularity. That's fine. Just be honest about it. But anyway, um, so the what I feel though is really foundationally important to anything artistic, including what you have the potential to do online, is um, do it for you first, do it for yourself first. So if if I don't enjoy shooting a video or editing a video, or if I think the end result looks like garbage, I don't post my video. It just never sees the light of day. Okay. <laughs> and I have a and I have a few like that because that's that wasn't a fun video for some reason. Okay, that's fine. It happens. But if I'm not having fun, probably other people aren't going to. Um, So if you don't enjoy the process, I don't feel like it will translate well to the end result. And if you turn your um adventure with content creation into chasing the next high so to speak so if you're chasing the next dollar or you're chasing that next subscriber or whatever that looks like you know that can become unrewarding so quickly you you genuinely have to enjoy what you do and i honestly believe the rest will follow if you enjoy it
0: yeah yeah so um oh i just had a thought here
1: oh yeah so if you
0: could go back and like redo any one or your videos because you know you thought it could be better or you thought this could have been done differently or anything like that would you or is there one specifically that you're like just uh this didn't
1: end out right well in the grand scheme of things you know not not that i want to diminish you know the amount of time that i've spend on my hobby necessarily but it's only been five years (laughs) and i've never taken a class on editing or anything like that so everything that i've ever done with youtube has very much been trial and error so there's always a part of me that says okay these videos were cringy i had no idea what the hell i was doing back then (laughs) and um so yeah i mean if i wanted to clean up some of those old videos you know i i certainly can think of a few examples but i also appreciate the the opportunities that i had to experiment and play with lighting and sound and software and you know try something new so you know i i had watched maybe three tutorials on green screen before i did any of my music videos and they don't look like something that you would show in an imax theater (laughs) you know (laughs) they just look like something somebody made at home (laughs) but but the process is fun you know the learning part of it is fun so um That is something that is really hard. That was something that was hard for me. And I feel like it's hard for a lot of people when you get started is, you know, there's the frustration or there can be the frustration with learning a new software or how you light or play with sound or how doing specific kinds of editing, that sort of thing. But, you know, after you've done it for a while, you can look back on your work and really appreciate kind of how you started and where you came from. So yeah, I'm sure there's something I would change, but I also appreciate that, I had the chance to create those things as at all as cringy as they probably are.
0: (laughs) Right. Kind of, kind of learn from your mistakes kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So what, um what is your recording equipment? Like, is it just like a phone on a tripod or do you have like a nice DSLR camera? What,
1: what do you got? So I have a DSLR Nikon, something or other. <laughs> it's it's uh it's a little bit older, but it, it works pretty well. Um so I generally use that with a ring light, which I just got um in December I think actually. Yeah. And um if I'm not using the ring light, sometimes I will use uh, regular box lighting. Um so they go up on stands similar to a tripod and um it's really easy to just you know dump light into a space with those. Um, if I am doing a music video or a voiceover, or even in some skits, I think I've done this before, I do have a microphone and like a boom microphone and a mixer, um, that I use to just make sure that that audio is really crisp and clean. Um, what else do I have? I think that's about it. Um, oh, well, I have the green screen stuff, so I've got a stand and um, you know, a frame that I use for the green screen. Um, so, uh, yeah, I definitely take this hobby seriously <laughs> a little yeah, bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I bought a couple of things over the years, but, um, it, it, it's really cool because it, it has allowed me the opportunity to try different things that I didn't think were possible and be able to kind of learn the editing and shooting styles that I like. So, um, it really has been, you know, expensive, but rewarding. <laughs>
0: So, you had mentioned earlier that some people are in, like, the YouTube content creation for, like, A or B, or popularity and numbers. Is there any end goal for you? Like, do you... Is there at such a point, like, I've reached this, yes, I'm so happy, or is it just, like, I do it because I want to?
1: It's it's a little bit of both. I mean, it, beca- this is something that I really enjoy, so, obviously, um, because you know of how much I feel like I put into content creation I would certainly like to see that you know come back in some way and it's not like it hasn't it's been so rewarding already I mean the 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 people that I've met the things that people have said the ideas and collaborations that have come from that I mean you know the, the the social and the personal and just the overall you know enriching aspects of the response that I get from content creation have been just amazing but I mean, yeah. Eventually, I would like to grow this into just the hugest thing it can be, and it would be even really cool to get paid for doing it. Not, not right now because I don't have the time to do it properly. Right, right. <laughs> I'm re- really busy with work and school, but you know, eventually, if I do have the time, and I feel like I will at some point, um, to be able to make it a more serious thing, then yeah, definitely. I mean, it would be cool to see, you know, those numbers. I mean, mo- most people when they they start on that, that you know, they they benefit in some way from seeing that number climb. But most importantly for me, the, the goal is the journey. It's not the destination. So I really, you know, I enjoy being able to brighten people's day above anything else. I love making people laugh. I love making people smile. And the fact that I'm given an opportunity to do that at all is like probably one of the most humbling things I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> so... um yeah it's it's so much more for me about you know making people happy than it is seeing a dollar sign on the youtube studio page
0: <laughs> would now would you want to be like a full-time furtuber? is that anything that interests you or do you still want to go to like your regular nine-to-five job get home at five o'clock and just be done with work
1: well my real goal would be to be hermione granger and just have like three time turners and do it all <laughs> <laughs> But no such luck. (laughs) So um, the job that I have right now um, is in the IT field, and I love it. I absolutely love what I do. Um, But probably if I had the chance to do YouTube full time, it's something I've considered in the past. I, I don't really know logistically what that would look like, but if in a perfect world, if I really had the opportunity to do that full-time absolutely this is a hobby that i really love it's so much fun
0: <laughs> all right so so it's one of those things that if your hobby becomes a job you'd be okay with it i feel right i can feel that.
1: absolutely and if it's and if it's you know if it's just going to be a hobby for now i'm, I'm totally fine with that because it's still fun but if it does turn into something bigger then cool that's awesome you know yep
0: uh, let's see, is there anything else you want to add? Anything you can think of? Or the audience too? Uh, does the audience have anything they want us to talk about?
1: Oh, I don't have anything off the top of my head, but yes, audience chime in. Tell us yeah. Tell us what we need to discuss and ponder and use our brain power for. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm trying to rack my brain. Um, I'm really excited for conventions this year. Um, that already we have a question yep. Ooh. best con or fur event oh god that's a hard one um best con or fur event um from a charity perspective being able to he- hear the experiences of people at the mff 2018 charity auction and just the sheer number of Dollars <laughs> that were raised yeah. for oh this—I ch- mean, that's mind-blowing—and I—and I realize that MFF is a huge con. There's a lot of people that go to that con, but to see that number, i, I just can't fathom that. You know what I mean? So it, th- that was so awesome to see that. Like, hey, we made this little dent in somebody's hardship. You know, and it's—it's it's, it, obviously it's not like a little thing, but like we—we we made an impact on that. You know, that's just so cool that we can do that as a community. Um, probably the best. For experience that i've had um i went to ifc uh i guess it was 2017 i think that sounds right um and i don't remember the person's name now unfortunately i feel really bad actually because he he did a really great job <laughs> um but he hosted a youtube Furs panel and um i i remember walking in like a few minutes later or something and most people were sitting in the room kind of listening to the the hosts right and um there weren't that many people in suit i was one of the few people in suit um but i went and the hosts were like oh my god it's you you should come here and say a few things and i'm like okay i literally just screamed my lungs out last night i have no <laughs> voice i already have Concrud. Probably a small hangover. Oh no, (laughs) no, it was fine. That was just being dramatic, but, (laughs) um, but no, it was like a really great opportunity. So it it was really, um, no, humbling and kind of gratifying for them to say, "Hey, you should share your experiences." And I was like, "Okay, sure." I literally do everything on the fly, so we'll see what I can come up with. (laughs) uh
0: my best con—I don't know. I have a soft spot for my first one, MFF twenty sixteen. Okay. um it was probably when i went to see the fox and peppers concert after dark that year because okay. up in, up until that point i kind of i went with a couple of my friends and they were kind of dragging me along you know trying to control my kind of experience like oh you should do this, this is what you need to do and that was kind of the first time i was like no i'm going to go and do my own thing and i i just had a blast and I think that it was by far one of their best concerts that I've seen. I don't know why. I just really liked it. But this past MCFC 2019 also has a very special spot because it's the first time that I was able to suit up at a convention. So that was
1: awesome. That is so exciting. Yeah, that first suiting con is always like the most magical one, I swear. <laughs> oh, it was so nice. Um, yeah. And
0: yeah, like you mentioned, it's so nice to see... People donate to the charity, like at the Fox and Peppers after dark concerts. MFF last year they raised eleven thousand dollars. I know. Um, MCFC twenty nineteen. I think it was just over fourteen thousand dollars for that charity. Like it's it's amazing the money that the furry community is able to put together for things like Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Um, event experience. I event experience i haven't really been to that many outside of like fur meets or conventions but probably the Meyer gardens meet that was just uh this past weekend i think was a really good one Uh, again it was my first time suiting out in public and there were so many kids out there that just loved us they were like oh let me hug you let
1: me get the photos with you just it, it was a blast that's awesome that's really cool when you can interact with um people and it's a positive interaction and they're not necessarily furries you know so that's always really awesome too
0: yeah right um let's see ari asked what cons are
1: you going to this year so i have done mcfc um, the plan is to do Anthro, Ohio at the end of this month, which is a new con for me. I've never been, so I'm really excited. <laughs> um, I'm also planning on doing Indie Fur con in August and MFF towards the end of the year. MFF is always a magical con for me because, for so many reasons, but one of the biggest things is there's a mall right by the the hotel. Yep. And in that mall is a Lint chocolate truffle store Yeah. with probably every variety of truffle you could ever want. And that weekend is usually the weekend I forget that I have a pancreas or need one. So <laughs> I usually just buy up so much chocolate. <laughs> but you know, what's cool about that store in particular and I will rave about them till the cows come home, but like I love that particular store because um you can buy truffles in bulk and like it's weeks before Christmas, you know what I mean? So I've given away to family or friends or coworkers or whoever just bags of truffles and they usually have just banging deals on these truffles like I've gotten uh, gosh almost 400 truffles for um, really cheap I'm sorry I don't remember the price but it was some deal where if you bought 375 count bags you got 2 more for oh free Oh my! That, yeah that's so it was like a, a stupid really deal. deal yeah so it, it's like really easy to gift them you know it, it just phenomenal all the way around and, and who doesn't like chocolate <laughs> uh, it's so good it um it is. Yeah, there's a lot of things around MFF It's
0: in a really good location. I know last year Resi and I went to uh this place that was right down the road, the Sugar Factory, I think it's called. Okay. Uh they're like a big dessert place. It was super busy. Um also holy crap, super expensive. I really wanted one of their drinks. They it was an alcoholic drink, they put like dry ice in it and it bubbles and foams and it was really cool. <sighs> And then I saw the price tag of $60 and I'm like, no,
1: no. It's funny that you mentioned that because I follow a a YouTube guy. His name is tipsy bartender and he's made his whole channel is mixology. Right. So he has made drinks with dry ice in the past. And that was what he talked about. He, he basically said, you know, dry ice is really cheap. You know, you throw it in a glass and it creates this awesome effect because it basically creates like this little fog. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but they're basically charging you for presentation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's like just crazy, like some of these marketing techniques, I swear.
0: (laughs) But yeah, the the food there was great, though. We got a chocolate fondue thing that was really good, and it it was overall a good experience. Um, That sounds fantastic. (laughs) Giordano's, too, also a must-have at MFF, I feel like absolutely
1: and if you're like me uh spaghetti is always a winner yep <laughs> they have really really good spaghetti all
0: right um so we're at about an hour so unless anybody has anything else we want to add i think that might call it
1: all right so last chance for questions yeah. or silly shenanigans or whatever you want that's what we're here for
0: let's see we got one person typing away oh heart you're so sweet thank you (laughs) (laughs) we appreciate you thank you for
1: stopping by yes thank you for hanging out with our completely ridiculous wednesday night antics i appreciate it (laughs) yeah all right
0: um i do want to add too i did add a new voice channel called the after show i want to if i can get it working we can maybe experience it together after the podcast is done But maybe, you know, so everybody can voice chat with each other in the after show channel if I can figure out how to get that working.
1: Okay, cool.
0: That'll be awesome. Yep, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, roll the outro here, uh.
1: for having me this was fun as always I appreciate it (laughs) yes thanks for hanging out guys appreciate you (laughs)